grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text chosen for our meditation is the epistle lesson that you heard read from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at the 16th verse. In the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, fellow redeemed. As a child, I took for granted the grace of God and what truly had taken place at the fount of holy baptism that morning in 1944. Even though I was taught about that grace of God through faith in Jesus in Sunday school, in confirmation instruction, I often found myself living under the law instead of living under and appreciating the gospel. St. Paul went to such great lengths to save some. And he was, as our, as our epistle says, being all things to all men. Paul was chosen in eternity, and then he was called on a lonely Damascus road. And St. Paul's story really began in eternity when God chose him for salvation and determined that he would play a major role as an apostle and a ministry in the early church. And what a story that was. Often in the ministry, sometimes pastors kind of have a low morale. Things aren't going right. And when that happened to me, I take that book of Acts out and I read it through and catch the excitement of the church in Paul's day. And you know, excitement breathes excitement and I got back to the way I should be. But what a story. You see, God allowed Paul to become the chief of sinners so that he might show him mercy. And what a blessed picture to of mercy Paul is. If you look at the book of Timothy as he writes them to him, in 1 Timothy 1.16, Paul says, But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost sinner, Christ Jesus might display a perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. You see, Paul could point to his former life as a lesson to others. In the mercy of God, in the patience of God, there is hope even for the worst sinners. You see, nobody is beyond hope as long as one is breathing and has a beating heart. And even in the age of persecution, as it was prevalent in Paul's time, and today you can see that too, the word was all sufficient. Such lengths of sin to which Paul had gone, such lengths of mercy God had shown to, to win him. There's a missionary recruit for you. And now, Paul was free to serve. St. Paul had no earthly master, but he did have a heavenly one. 
Paul had entrusted with the gospel, or as he puts it in our, in our text for today, entrusted with the stewardship in verse 17. In freedom, Paul desires to be an instrument through whom many will be saved. Now, Paul knows it isn't about Paul but rather that God brings the elect he has chosen in eternity to faith through word and sacrament in time. And this is not something for Paul to boast about, for he is just discharging a trust, or as he said earlier in our text, he is merely a steward of the mysteries of God. Paul is free to receive financial support from this Corinthian congregation, but he refuses to accept it. What's rightly due him. In order that his service might not be brought into questions by those who attacked his character. And choosing to deny himself and to be self-supporting, he realized that he is putting one less obstacle in the way of his hearers. For Paul, as you heard in our text for today, is a question of gaining some and gaining more for the kingdom. And this would also make his service stand out over those false prophets who were interested only in their personal gain. See the lengths at which Paul was willing to go as a minister or as a missionary for Christ. He would even, as he said, become a servant, a slave to all. After the example of his master who came not to be served, but to serve, Paul makes himself a slave being all things to all men. He is willing to go where, whenever God sends and to whom God sends. And following Jesus' practice of eating with the tax collectors and the sinners, Paul seeks the, the God-given opportunity to connect people to Christ. And as long as the gospel isn't compromised, Paul conforms to other customs. He says, to a Jew, I became a Jew. And to those under the law, I became one under the law. To those outside the law, to the weak, I became weak. He has to, he, he does this so that no reward than the joy of preaching the good news. And Paul goes to such strength to be Christ's missionary. And finally, Paul disciplines himself that he too might receive the prize. Make no mistake, this prize is a gift, and Paul knows it. Christ won it for us by his blood shed on the cross. And yes, we know that Christ is there, all in all. And Paul's concern himself with avoiding sin, avoiding complacency, avoiding anything that could hinder the life of faith that God has given. 
And there's no length to which Paul wouldn't go for the sake of the gospel. Your minister, your missionary. Some times ago, some years ago, I don't know if you heard of the Barna Institute or Barna Organization, but it published a study what those people outside the church think about the church. The study revealed that many see the church as hypocritical and unconcerned about them, concerned only with filling the pews. Many described the church as judgmental. Others said the church today is too politically focused and essentially out of touch with reality. So how is the church doing when it comes to being all things to all men? In this study, it indicates not very well. Comparing that perception and hopefully a misconception with St. Paul's concern for the unbeliever, you see a radical disconnect. Not many of us, I bet, will be so committed to reach out with Christ. I, like most of us in the church, haven't gone that great length of St. Paul, so we're surely not ministering for Christ, right? I remember years ago, when I was in high school. I remember being uncomfortable by a particular law-oriented sermon. I was still thinking that everything depended upon me and still didn't fully understand the grace of God. I knew what God wanted me to do, but it seemed as though it came to living my life as a child of God. But sometimes I let Satan have his way with me. And it troubled me greatly. Where do I go? Since my father was a pastor, I really didn't want to share my problem with him. I stewed about it. But when I read about what St. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, 14, 25, made things clean for me, clear for me. He says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but that I do the very things I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do, do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight 
in the law of, of God in my inner being. But I see my members another law waging against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Ah, but not only did I not understand the grace of God, I didn't understand the depth of my own sinful condition. And what a blessed relation, a revelation when the Holy Spirit through word enabled me to see who I truly was. I was a chief of sinners and helpless to do anything about it. I, a chief of sinners, but chief in whom God had shown unbelievable mercy. And on that day of my baptism, even though I didn't know it as a baby, God forgave my sins. He made me his child and he adopted me by his grace and brought me into his family, just as he has done for you. We are now joint heirs with Christ. Now the welcome, if you listen to the baptism order of service, and the baptismal rite has great meaning for me, not only as a pastor as I read it to those who are having a child baptized or as I as a baptized member. When it says, in holy baptism, God the Father has made you a member of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and an heir with all of us, the, the treasures of heaven in the one Christian and apostolic church. We receive you in Jesus' name, that together we might hear his word, receive his gifts, and proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Wait a minute. Those are the words by which St. Paul calls people, like Paul of or St. Peter, like Paul ministers. Not like me, right? No, God has gone to the same length with you and with me that he did with St. Paul. He chose us in eternity. He called us in holy baptism. And we are the members of the elect from eternity. Christ died for us as surely as he died for St. Paul. He went to the very last step to the cross for us. And in baptism, God added us to his people that we might proclaim his excellencies. Therefore, we too, as St. Paul, are free to serve. It's not about us any more than it was about St. Paul. It's about the lengths that God has gone. God would have us in freedom serve other people. He desires you and me to be instruments through which many will hear the word and be saved. God has bound himself to his word. 
And as we speak that word, the Holy Spirit changes the hearts of those people who hear it. You see, God will go to great lengths and spare no energy to complete the mission of saving souls. And since we are God's holy people and have eternity with him, we too can be servants to all for now and in this time. God calls us to, to be all things to all men, boldly confessing Christ and going to great lengths like next door or down the street or to the office or to the school to speak Christ in our little part of the world. And that means relishing every opportunity to connect, disconnect people to Christ. Notice what I just said. That's part of your vision, to connect, disconnect people on Christ, to Christ, and learning how we can reach them where they are, not expect them to conform to perhaps the German way of worshiping. We can go to great lengths, and we will go to these lengths too, disciplining ourselves that we might, as Christ's missionaries, receive that prize that he talked about today, won by the blood of Jesus Christ. By avoiding sin, complacency, and anything that would hinder the life of faith that God has given to us. Daily remembering our baptism, being in that word and frequently coming to the, to the Lord's Supper. I want to close our sermon today by a verse or by a song that is in our Lutheran hymnal, which I asked my wife to play, and I didn't know the melody. And I said, I'm not going to put you through it. But I put it on the board. I want you to listen as I read this wonderful hymn. A multitude comes from east and west to sit at the feast of salvation with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the blessed, obeying the Lord's invitation. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. Oh God, let us hear when our shepherd shall call in, in accents per, pervasive and tender that while there is time, we make haste one and all and find him our mighty defender. Have mercy upon us, oh Jesus. All trials shall be a dream that is past, forgotten all trouble and mourning, all Questions and doubts have been answered at last when rises the light that morning. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. The heavens shall ring with an anthem more grand than ever on earth was recorded. The blessed of the Lord shall receive at his hand the crown to the victors awarded. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. Amen.